Robot, 8th Street. This is BillPot.com, the week in Georgia, in English, coming to you from San Francisco's Lower Hate. Today is Thursday, the 24th of May, 2018. On this date in 1218, the Fifth Crusade leaves Acre for Egypt, unaccompanied by a promised Georgian army, after it was destroyed by a Mongol reconnaissance expedition. 1798, the Society of United Irishmen, inspired by the American and French revolutions, begins a rebellion against the British rule. 1813, independence fighter Simon Bolivar enters Merida, Venezuela, from what is now Colombia, and is proclaimed El Liberador. 1856, John Brown and a group of abolitionists kill five slavery supporters in Potawatomi, Kansas, part of an exchange of violence from both sides leading up to the American Civil War. 1940, a group of peasants and miners organized by Soviet NKVD operative Yosef uh, Grigulevich and Mexican social realist painter David Siqueiros attempt to assassinate Leon Trotsky in Coyoacan, Mexico. 1991, the covert Israeli Operation Solomon begins airlifting 14,325 Ethiopian Jews to Israel in 36 hours. 2000, uh, 2000, Israel announces that it will withdraw troops from from southern Lebanon after 22 years of occupation. 2002, Russia and the U.S. sign a strategic Uh, Offensive Reductions Treaty, an agreement limiting the number of operationally deployed warheads to 1,700 and 2,200 each. Birthdays are, in 1686, Dutch-German-Polish scientist Daniel Gabriel Fahrenheit, inventor of, you guessed her, Chester, the temperature scale. 1743, French journalist and politician Jean-Paul Marat, famous for dying in a bathtub. 1905, Soviet novelist Mikhail Alexandrevich Solokhov um, of And Quiet Flows the Dawn, and in 1941, American musician Bob Dylan, nay Robert Allen Zimmerman. I'm your host, Mark Mullen. Sorry we skipped last week. Lots going on over here. If you'd like to comment on the form or ask a question, go to tabilpod.com or send us an email at tabilpod.com. Police raided two of Tbilisi's biggest nightclubs early on Saturday, the 12th, in response to recent deaths of several Tbilisi students after currently unidentified, after taking currently unidentified drugs, according to Interior Minister uh, Georgi Gacharya. 48 people have been hospitalized from narcotics use, allegedly at nightclubs in the last two weeks. Protests broke out almost immediately outside of the clubs and restarted in front of Parliament on Sunday, defending the clubs as places for free expression, development, and social changes, and calling for the resignation of Gahadi and Prime Minister Georgi Kvitikashvili. Protest leaders also accused the authorities of setting up raids by distributing bad drugs on the black market, staging drug sales, in order to attack the clubs, implying that the clubs are under attack for being places of decadence and for their welcoming of the queer community. Protesters uh, stated Parliament until early morning when Gahadia personally apologized to them and agreed to work with leaders from the decriminalization white noise movement uh, to both examine the May 12th raid and develop government's, the government's drug policy. Um, the, uh, the problem was there was a disagreement within um, white noise about goals and the leadership of the organization, which is extremely loosely organized and whether they should stay there and become more political or not be political and who, how leadership should operate in, uh, in, in, in those questions. 
Um, so on the one hand, there was disappointment that they couldn't achieve more. On the other hand, um, it was certainly a, a powerful show of, uh, of Tbilisi youth. Police announced that eight drug dealers had been arrested, 60 protesters. They said that the arrested suspects had been systematically selling drugs in clubs and that they had close ties to the clubs. One suspect, suspect uh, worked security for Bassiani and was reportedly arrested while in possession of a large amount of drugs. The police also released footage from undercover officers in the club, apparently showing the arrest suspect selling drugs um, at earlier dates. They had apparently been investigating the case for three months prior to the raid. The Interior Ministry is planning to investigate abuse of power by the police. According to public defender Nino Lomjadia, the suspects supposedly arrested by the police during the operation were actually arrested hours beforehand and not in the clubs. They are currently in pretrial detention and face between 7 and 20 years in prison if convicted. She said that the police showed overall restraint, but wondered about the reasonableness and proportionality of the raids. The anti-club raid protesters were met by a combination of far-right conservative and nationalist counter-protesters on Sunday the 13th, creating enough tension that when the original group agreed to end their protest, the police had to use city buses to get them away from the area, and there were concerns that the right-wing protesters would attack. However, despite Far-right attempts to break through the police court on the police with the help from riot police and a water cannon successfully kept them away from the drug liberalization anti-raid group. The right-wing group yelled violent slogans opposed to drug use promotion, moral decadence, and the anti-Georgian character of the other protests, allegedly. Self-identified fascist right-wing nationalist socialist organization Georgian National Unity was also president is now under investigation for calls for violence voiced at the protest. Members of the group wore Nazi military uniforms, gave Nazi salutes, and chanted, Glory to the nation, death to the enemies. Leader Georgi Chelidze mentioned several times the potential for bloodshed and a ruthless and brutal response to provocations from anti-raid pro-liberalization crowd. He also called for the creation of civic regiments to respond to threats to the group's agenda, and a, and the security of our society. Chalidze is, an extremely, is extremely excited by all the media attention. The antics of his dozen followers has uh, created um, lots of ink spills, particularly in, uh, in English, although a lot less in Georgian because everybody knows what a clown he is. Interior Minister Gakharia, public defender Lomjaria, and leaders of the White Noise Movement set up two working groups, one on drug policy reform and one on the May 12th raid. According to activist David Subeliani, they uh, did, not begin, uh, did not begin discussing either issue in depth, but have decided on the format and topics of future meetings. During a parliamentary session, Gakharia apologized for causing discomfort for up to 100 people, but overall supported the raid. He also said the purpose of the operation was not to arrest drug traders, but to establish a connection between dealers and the club venues, which would enable us to get to a larger network. Reactions to the protests vary. President Georgi Markovalashvili said that the drug policy, um, the Georgia's drug policy should be much more liberal and called the events of the weekend a complete failure of government's political and administrative responses, as well as a series of mistakes. He also called for a nationwide anti-drug campaign to be carried out by artists, musicians, painters, and others who can speak the language of youth. The Patriarchate released a statement expressing 
general concern, but also saying, idiotically, that the behavior of the youngsters who have gathered in front of Parliament created grounds for the right-wing counter-demonstration. Prime Minister Kvitikashvili also called the protesters youngsters and children, and he and Tbilisi Mayor Kaki Khaladze both repeated the Osneba plan for policy to be harder on drug traffickers, but softer on users. Opposition parties called the raid an excuse for the Interior Ministry to demonstrate its power, and the arrest of the protesters and attack on free speech. A representative of the International Society for Fair Elections and Democracy said the authorities were cultivating the Soviet-style ideology through demonizing the club scene. Conservative and religious groups, including the March of Georgians and the Alliance of Patriots Georgian and the Georgian Idea, continued the rally on Monday, the 14th. About 2,000 people marched, chanting, Glory to Orthodox Georgia and Georgia without pederasts, referring to queer people. They also called on the government to shut down clubs like Bassiani and Cafe Gallery for being gay clubs where drugs are being sold and the youth are recruited in illegal activities and threatened to shut them down themselves if the police didn't. They also called for stronger immigration and drug laws and freedom for seven people currently imprisoned for assaulting a Rustaviotti journalist in March. A March of Georgians leader also demanded that Cafe Gallery leave its current space as it is allegedly a former church, and that Bassiani be renamed since the term is a historic term referring to a battle led by Queen Tamar. Conservatives and nationalists plan to continue protesting throughout the 17th, which is International Day Against Homophobia, a day where right-wing and religious groups, including Orthodox priests, have historically violently attacked queer people and LGBT rights activists. Despite their plans, there were no protests on the 15th or 16th, but they did march on the 17th. A woman dressed as a nun addressed the rally, saying that George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg, together, arm-in-arm, were working to reduce the population of Georgia and were responsible for bringing the brown marmorated stink bug to Georgia. Well, you know, 39 people were also arrested for administrative violations and one for criminal abuse um, for getting past the police and attacking a gay rights activist on camera. The state security service is also fining the group National Unity Georgia 100,000 lati for their use of fascist symbols, along with communist symbols, which are banned in the Freedom Charter. The Orthodox Church has attempted to rebrand the 17th as Family Purity Day, rallied on Rustavelli, the Metropolitan Shio Mujiri, Georgian Patriarch's locum tenens spoke about protecting the sanctity of families against anti-family forces. The church also organized other events, including mass weddings, blessings of large families, and a sermon by Elia II. The church requested that aggressive groups not attend and disavowed the nationalist socialist movement. In a related move, a pro-LGBT rally outside the Chancery Building to mark Idaho 2018 was canceled by the group equality movement on Wednesday in order to avoid clashes. Individual pro-LGBT activists still protested in isolated pop-up actions near government buildings and in small, heavily protected groups um, in the originally planned location. Hundreds of police officers were present. Streets leading to the Chancellor were blocked with iron fences. Interior Minister Gahadia later called the pop-up actions a challenge and a provocation. The Grand Chamber of the European Court of Human Rights held an oral hearing on the interstate application by Georgia against Russia related to the 2008 war. The application was sent 
nearly 10 years ago, claiming that Russia violated uh, eight articles of the European Convention on Human Rights involving right to life, prohibition of torture, right to liberty and security, right to respect for private and family life, right to an effective remedy, protection of property, and right to education and uh, freedom of movement. British human rights lawyer Ben Emerson, representing Georgia, spoke about human rights violations, including the execution of prisoners of war to the burning of ethnically uh, Georgian villages. British lawyer Michael Swainston, representing Russia, denied the allegations and said the ECHR case was a political application being used for propaganda purposes. He also said that Russia had no control over South Ossetia and no jurisdiction over victims. A judgment will be delivered at a later unannounced date. <clears throat> Four NATO ships from England, Romania, Bulgaria, and Turkey were in Poti last week for joint exercises with Georgian forces organized by the Interior Ministry and Border Police. Prime Minister Kvitikashvili was in Washington this, uh, a week ago for the plenary session of the U.S.-Georgia Strategic Partnership Commission. He met with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Assistant Secretary of State for Europe and Eurasian Affairs Wes Mitchell, and other officials and members of Congress. He also attended an event celebrating the centennial of Georgian statehood, where Congressman Gary Connolly spoke about the need to end the Russian occupation of Abkhazia and South Ossetia and expressed hope that Armenia would follow the model of Georgia and will take inspiration from Georgia against authoritarianism. Economy Minister Dmitry Kumsishvili was also in Washington with Kvitikashvili. He met with the Secretary of Commerce, Wilbur Ross, um, the well-known money launderer, and discussed a possible free trade agreement and with the International Monetary Fund's Deputy Managing Director and Director Alternate. Commander of the U.S. European Command and Supreme Allied Commander Army General Curtis M. Uh, Scaparriotti was in Georgia this week for the inauguration of the Georgian Defense Readiness Program, a large U.S.-funded defense training program, and the new combat training center in Vaziani. While in Georgia, he met with President Mark Vlashvili, Prime Minister Kvitikashvili, and Defense Minister Levani Soria. Russian Federal Customs Service signed a contract with Swiss company SGS for cargo monitoring uh, along the three transit corridors between Georgia and Russia. The contract is part of a Swiss-mediated agreement from 2011 aimed at monitoring trade through South Ossetia, Abkhazia, and the Kazbegi border crossing. Georgia signed its own contract with SGS in late 2017. Foreign Minister John Alize. <coughs> Foreign Minister John Alize spoke about Abkhazia and South Ossetia at the 128th session of the Committee of Ministers of the Council of Europe in Elsinore, Denmark, this week. He met with Danish Foreign Minister Anders Samuelsson, German State Minister for Europe at the Federal Foreign Office, Michael Roth, among other officials. Four members of the European Parliament Subcommittee on Security and Defense from Poland, the UK, Germany, and Croatia visited Georgia two weeks ago. They met with Prime Minister Kvitikashvili, uh, President Mark Vilashvili, Parliamentary Chairman Kobachidze, Foreign Minister John Alidze, and State Minister for Reconciliation and Civic Equality, Ketevan Tsikalashvili, and discussed Georgia's relationship with the EU, Abkhazia, and South Ossetia. Recently elected Armenian Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan, congratulations by the way, he called Prime Minister Kvitikashvili two weeks ago. They exchanged pleasantries and talked about the need to strengthen the already good relations between the two countries. Foreign Minister John Alidze visited Kazakhstan on May 17th, uh, 16th and 17th, met with Prime Minister, Foreign Minister 
and other officials, discussed different areas of cooperation, including Kazakhstan supplying buses and trains uh, in a cooperative agreement uh, signed 2018 and 2019. Israel Minister of the Economy uh, Eli Cohen was in Tbilisi two weeks ago where he met with Minister of Economy Dmitry Kumsashvili and signed a declaration of joint feasibility study for a uh, possible free trade agreement. Uh, the two ministers attended the opening of a joint Israeli-Georgian aircraft parts factory on the outskirts of Tbilisi. Lithuanian President Dalia Grib Kauskaute called Georgia the most reliable state in the South Caucasus region in an interview with a Georgian public broadcaster and said that Georgia was very close to becoming a member of NATO, but that the alliance was too busy to expand at the moment. Bidzina Ivanishvili was officially sworn in as Otsneva's chairman on the 11th at the party congress. He spoke about the government's success so far and its reason for officially returning to politics after a five-year break. Yeah, right. This is truly a brilliant Bidzinian single-sentence juxtaposition, and I quote, The objectively unfavorable socioeconomic environment, as well as the permanent attempts to artificially exaggerate the difficult situation, are his reasons for re-entering, as well as the opposition's extremely destructive attitude and misunderstandings within Otsneba, presumably referring to the party conflict that arose from the recent nomination of an independent and extremely intelligent journalist to the Georgian Public Broadcasters Board of Trustees. There were a lot of Otsneba members that were very angry about that. Conflict between President Margulashvili and Parliamentary Chairman Kobachidze over presidential pardons continued last week. As the two took to TV to attack each other, the presidential pardon came under criticism in April when a man released by Margulashvili killed his stepdaughter in Tbilisi. Earlier this month, Kobachidze accused Margulashvili of abusing his power and implied his actions could be related to corruption or deliberate obstruction of the law enforcement system. Margulashvili then invited Kobachidze to take his concerns to the prosecutor's office for investigation if he knew of a problem. Kobachidze then went on Rustaviori to note that his accusations were political accusations and there was no grounds for pursuing criminal prosecution or any evidence, and thus no reason to attempt to prosecute Mark Velashvili. After a National Security Council meeting on the 14th, Mark Velashvili, Kudikashvili, and Foreign Minister John Alize all made statements requesting that Georgia's progress on NATO integration be adequately recognized at the NATO summit in Brussels in July. Georgia's made it harder to obtain permanent residency, raising the residency requirement to 10 years from 6 in order to stem, quote, irregular immigration, whatever that is. However, temporary residency permits will now be available for 12 years instead of the current six, though the application must justify uh, their, the applicants must justify their presence in country for the second half of that term. Ministry of Economy and Sustainable Development also reportedly consider changing the 15,000 U.S. dollar threshold for investors to receive a temporary permit, though they have not said how that would change. Georgian Post apparently planning to offer a U.S. address to Georgian residents similar to shipping competitors like Xavnili and USA to Georgia, which will allow U.S. residents to send items to U.S. addresses. Then the Georgian recipient pays for shipping to Georgia. Generally, it's a lot cheaper than sending it directly through the U.S. and Georgian Post. Meeting this week is a video of a variety of electronic DJs, musicians, and producers 
professing their support for Bassiani and Georgian ravers. The level of uh, discourse tends to be uh, <coughs> the relatively tame sending love, but highlights both the role that Bassiani plays in the electronic music scene internationally and the support there is for protesters outside of Georgia around the world, particularly in, uh, in Europe, most of all Berlin. Stuff to read. Prime Minister Kvitikashvili posted an op-ed on Fox News, of all places, arguing that the U.S.-Georgia trade deal would create U.S. jobs and improve energy security. He said also that Georgia is fast becoming a primary overland route between China and Europe. The trade deal would give America a foothold in Eurasia and that it could be useful for the U.S. to have a deal with a reliable partner with free trade deals with China, the EU, former Soviet republics, and Turkey. Civil.ge published an op-ed by Tbilpa.com mascot Will Dunbar about the protests calling them an attack on the way of life of the young nonconformist pro-Western people of Tbilisi and noting that someone in the higher levels of government must have approved what was a multi-location, several hundred officer operation with military-grade weapons in the heart of Tbilisi. He accuses the government of increasing societal divides through its drug rhetoric and using drugs to distract from their failures to impact employment and poverty in the country. New York Times covered the protests in Tbilisi, presenting them as protests demanding legalized recreational drug use. The article describes the protests as having a novel, uh, a novel cause for street demonstrations in a region where government protesters typically come out against corruption or rulers who cling to power despite term limits disregarding the fact that there have been many drug liberalization protests recently in Georgia. The Daily Beast also covers a protest calling it a revolution, uh, sorry, a revolution, and accusing the government of trying to send a message of fear and intimidation to Tbilisi's progressive young club culture and international night economy. The article also describes Bidzina Ivanishvili as a Dr. Evil-esque billionaire, giraffe-owning oligarch and former prime minister, and claimed boldly that on Saturday night, quote, the ruler of Georgia was not a billionaire or even a Georgian. It was a German DJ dropping electronic beats on Georgia's Central Boulevard, end quote. Transparency International Georgia and the Caucus Research Resource Center <coughs> public Opinion surveys from March show that the Georgian Orthodox Church is the most trusted institution in the country, followed by teachers then doctors. The office of the president is the most trusted government institution, followed by local governments, prime minister, the courts, then parliament. Trust in the president and parliament have gone up slightly since 2016, while trust in the prime minister has decreased. Over half of respondents believe the judiciary is biased and influenced by the ruling party, and a third also believe it is corrupt. 72% said that there should be no sentence for use of light drugs. 56% thought that about club drugs. And 43% think that intravenous drug use should not be an impeachable, sorry, an imprisonable offense. Just under one half of those surveyed believe the police plant drugs on people in order to arrest them. Tbilisi's Media Development Foundation released a report on anti-Western propaganda in Georgia in 2017, examining 17 different TV, Internet, and print media sources. They found 2,000 anti-Western messages mostly related to foreign policy. Previous year's studies had found that most messages related to minority rights. The U.S. was the most frequent target, followed by NATO, and then the West more generally. 
March of Georgians was the most anti-Western organization, while Democratic Movement was the most anti-Western political party. New Eastern Europe examined attitudes towards Abkhazia in Georgian university students using research done at the Tbilisi State University. They found that, unsurprisingly, 90% of students do not recognize Abkhazia as independence. 79% view it as an integral part of Georgia. Despite the conflict, over half of respondents view Abkhazia as a friendly place, but slightly less than half support Georgian government aid programs for Abkhazians. The Australian Broadcasting Corporation looked at why Nauru has recognized South Ossetia and Abkhazia, noting that official support is accompanied by Russian aid, although the recognition also makes the country ineligible for U.S. aid money. A recent U.S. bill that ends funding to institutions sending funds to states that recognize the two disputed territories could create larger consequences, as it might prevent the Asian Development Bank from doing business in Nauru. Nauruan leaders say that the recognition is not for financial reasons, which is clearly BS, but because they support the sovereignty of people in those areas. Yeah, right. Eurasianet wrote about Georgia's embrace of blockchain. Georgia was the first country to uh, use a land title uh, with blockchain technology, and the combination of low energy prices, low regulation, government willingness has made it an attractive destination for technology companies. Girchi's Zura Japaridze believed that blockchain could be used to make Georgia the first state in the world to completely transfer all state assets to private citizens. Once again, Zura Japaridze's, you know, economist preoccupations having no connection with reality, although others have doubts about the potential for a blockchain revolution. 2015, Tbilisi teacher and Coda Story web developer Neil uh, Zupancic blogged about reasons for Georgia's homophobia and the history of the May 7, the history of May 17th in Georgia, and much of the information is still relevant now. Reminder that not all of that much has changed regarding LGBT rights. According to Zupancic, Georgian homophobia stems from an unwillingness to accept that there are gay Georgians and from a misguided attempt to protect their children from recruitment into the homosexual lifestyle. Additionally, Georgians are apparently concerned that having gay relatives would ruin their social status, make it difficult to get jobs, and having a gay child would mean no grandchildren and the end of the family name. All of these fears have a base in the status of the family as the strongest support system in Georgia, and Zupanchish believes that until other institutions are strong enough to support people without families, these anti-LGBT fears will continue. Atlas Obscura published a photograph of a photographer's journey through the former spas of Soviet Georgia, looking at how Soviet vacation policies developed the Georgian spa industry and how the fall of the Soviet Union and subsequent Abkhaz war impacted the industry. Many spa buildings were turned into IDP housing. The Abkhazian ones have been beautifully preserved due to the region's isolation. Huck magazine featured Nanuka Zalashvili's photographs of Georgia's forgotten Soviet bus stops showing an architect's view of them and briefly discussing the changing role of bus stops in Soviet and modern Georgia. Now, outside of big cities, buses stop anywhere and everywhere, so there's much less need for actual physical bus stops, beautiful or not. W magazine publishes a bunch of photos from Tbilisi Fashion Week earlier this May, saying that no matter how much time passes in the new millennium, fashion and style influences from the 90s aren't going anywhere soon in Georgia's very own capital of cool. 
All this stuff to be, read is posted on our forum. This week's dive bar number is 25,000. The amount in tons of water, meaning cubic meters, of water pumped out of the Tbilisi metro tunnels every single day. Some announcements. On Friday the 25th, Tbilisi's smallest gallery, Patara Gallery, presents a video installation by Lou Andreas, Lazy Fire, at 7 p.m. The gallery is in the Rose Revolution Square underpass. Installation will be on display through the 6th of June. Also on the 25th, the National Science Library will open an exhibition on the Democratic Republic of Georgia featuring books and documents celebrating the 100-year anniversary of the founding of the Republic and the 150-year anniversary of the birth of Noe Jordania. Later on on the 25th, Tbilisi's critical mass begins at Rose Revolution Square at 7.30 p.m. and will then ride around the city in order to raise awareness um, of the need for better bike infrastructure. The 26th is the 100-year anniversary of Georgian independence from the Russian Empire. There will be events and street closures around Tbilisi, probably everywhere else, too. The presence of Lithuania, Latvia, Finland, Poland, Slovakia, Armenia, the European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker, President Mark Velashvili will attend a military oath-taking ceremony on Freedom Square, parliamentary roundtable entitled Cooperation for Prosperity, a strategy for future centennial, and a reenactment of the first reading of the Declaration of Independence in the National Youth Palace, Tbilisi's only exclusively crawfish restaurant, Los Crayfish Hermanos, will have a 26% discount for Georgian customers, so it's a good opportunity to eat some delicious achalkaliki crustaceans. On Tuesday the 29th uh, at 5 p.m., Tbilisi State Law Student Government Cultural Department will present a staging of Ali and Nino, dedicated to the 100-year anniversary of Georgia and Azerbaijan's independence. On Thursday the 31st at 8 p.m., Harvest Theater Company is hosting a free improv comedy show in English at Backstage 76 in Vakay Park. On the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, Gallery Nectar will be hosting performance days featuring performance art by female performers from different countries exploring the subjectivity of identity, place, internal, and external space. First performance by Elena Chantladze begins at 4 p.m. at the gallery, but other performances will happen throughout the city in the gardens of the National Scientific Library, in an underpass, in a hotel, and more information can be found on Facebook. <clears throat> also, on the 26th, Chiatura will host a local youth-organized flea market, which will promise good music, diverse people, friendship and relationships, along with the sale of handmade and second-hand items. The market will be held in Victory Park at 4, th- 4 p.m. That's it for this week. My Twitter address is at TXTBUK. Our email is tbilpod at gmail.com or post the form on our website, www.tbilpod.com. And from 1949, yes, you will be amazed. 1949, from New Orleans, this is Fats Domino. We'll finish with The Fat Man.